Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Welcome to everybody that's joining us online. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to start in verse number 2 this morning. And I'm going to read verse 1. And we'll see what the Lord says to us. It says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father God, we just thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Father, that your word is health and medicine to all of our flesh. That it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder the soul and the spirit. It divides apart. It shows us the separation between spirit and soul. It transforms the way we think. Lord, we know that this word, by the power of the resurrection graces that are uh, of the Holy Spirit that are within the w- finished work of Christ, ch- literally change the way we think. Strongholds have no uh, ability against your word. They have no power over your word. And so we thank you, Lord, that strongholds in our thinking are being removed So the enemy can't hide and operate in our lives in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Thank you for utterance and boldness and words to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, verse number two. And uh, this is something, I just want to encourage you with this. Um, It's something that I've done now for uh, probably a couple of years. Um, But in my study time, I'll break things down in a verse. So when you're, now you don't necessarily, I mean, I would encourage you to get commentaries that are expository. And what I mean by that is they comment and give breakdown verse by verse. If you want to go that direction, I'd encourage you to do it because you're going to increase your understanding. You're going to solidify your foundation of faith even more if you do that. It takes more time. takes more time. But the longer and the more you walk with the Lord, the more you realize that the worldly stuff doesn't really matter anyway. You know what I mean? You just, you learn to, uh, uh, well, you develop a, a taste for the word that uh, the desire grows and, and is greater than anything you could do just to have fun. You know what I mean by that? No, I'm not saying you shouldn't have fun. You should, you know, you should do something to have fun, even if it's tease your wife. But you should do something. That's what I do. <laughs> she knew what she was getting. All right, so, but verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus. You could learn revelation right there, just that first part. Then it's comma, right? The author and finisher of our faith. What does that mean? So sometimes I'll do this. I'll take a verse and I'll, I'll uh, quote it out in sections and then go to a study source or something and begin to break that down um, because it, it brings truth, it brings understanding to you that you didn't see before. The other thing I'd encourage you to do is read the history of the book. You say, what do you mean by that? Read the history of Hebrews. 
read Hebrews 12 in context of 11 and 13. Read Hebrews 12 in context of 1 all the way to the end of the book. And and see what's being said. Not that it's going to translate exactly into our day today or exactly into what we would, you know, what we're experiencing in today's quote-unquote world. But there are principles there that will. And that's what you're after. So sometimes people think, well, I read, and, and there are actually Bible teachers that teach us, you know, this book was written to, you know, the Ephesians, therefore it doesn't apply to us today. And, and all that stuff is supernatural thinking. What I mean by that is it's very natural thinking, not supernatural like we would think. It's very natural thinking. So it's ignorance gone to seed. And it's producing a harvest. You say, how do you know? It comes out of their mouth. So the, the, the book of Ephesians was written to the saints that were in Ephesus. But it's written to the saints, which is you and me. Yeah, we be the saints. People say, oh, no, the Catholic Church didn't vote me in. They don't have to. Jesus voted you in. You're in. All right? People sometimes say, well, I don't, I don't qualify to be a saint. If you don't, you're not saved, and we'll give an altar call at the end of the Bible study. Because Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, right? So he is... We are to look unto him. He's the author and finisher. It says this, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That could be a whole section of understanding right there. Despising the shame. Do we we embrace shame or do we despise shame? Okay? Jesus is, he is the, and you can go back all the way to the beginning. He's the author and finisher of of our faith, of our faith. And so he knows how to finish Our faith as well. He finished his work. He knows how to finish ours. And then it says, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, you could just read the book of Ephesians and understand that portion. Or Colossians. Because Ephesians chapter 2 says, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you sit down before or after the work is done? Well, you're supposed to after. Right? Jesus is so complete in his work, he didn't need to take a break. He just did it all and wham, sat down. Amen? Okay, so that doesn't mean that Jesus is permanently glued to the seat next to God, okay? He can move around, all right? So, uh, and he's active in, uh, in uh, uh, advancing his kingdom through his body. So we see this. Other translations about Hebrews 12 too say this. Keeping our eyes on the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy which lay before him endured the cross with no regard for its shame. You know that faith will lead you into things that the world will call you shameful for doing? It's true. They'll look at you and go, you're stupid. You're going to leave such and such to go do this? Because, see, the world system functions primarily on sight. It doesn't function primarily on faith. We are to, as 2 Corinthians 5 says, verse 7, we're to live, walk by faith and not by sight. That's why your world at times, as a believer, you feel irritated and challenged. Because everything in this world says, 
Look at the stock market. Look at the uh, doctor's reports. Look at the, look at the, look, look. It says, look, look at this. And we have to look at those things and go, I despise that. I believe what Jesus said. Come on. If you have kids that aren't serving the Lord, the devil wants you to look at what they're doing and go, there's no hope. Right? I mean, we live in a world that uh, everything is governed by the five senses. It's ruled by that. And Jesus was not ruled by that. Jesus made all his decisions based on Father God's leading and guiding. And that's how we're supposed to live. That's how we please God. Amen? That's not how we earn our salvation. It's how we please God. These are things that we have to, you have to say it. Because religious teaching is taught, I mean, it's just religion. It, it will, you know, people say, well, you know, the law is still good. Yeah, the law is a standard and it's good. But you do realize there were sacrifices all along with the law. Right? That's because God was saying, you can't do this, ha ha. <laughs> and then he was saying, I will, ha ha. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what was taking place. So when we think about even performing or walking by faith, you got to realize you're not earning anything. You're not working for something. Maybe I need to go back and teach this again. Probably do. Actually, there are things I'm going to just reteach. Actually, we did in 2014. It's going to be great. Repetition brings revelation. It's not that you lost it or that you forgot it. It just needs to be stirred up again, you know? You, you, got, you got to, sometimes you got to pull out those treasures, new and old, and you just got to polish them up a little. Oh, yeah, that's right. Look at my righteousness in Christ. It's just amazing, you know? But Jesus, he lived in such a way where the Father led him. And that is not by sight. So Jesus probably would not have picked to go into the temple or go into different places and be threatened to be stoned, be taken to the edge of a cliff to be thrown off. Come on. Jesus, probably naturally speaking, in his emotion and feeling, he would not have picked to go turn over tables and, and build a whip. You know, I'm sure the disciples at that point were like, finally. We're taking over Rome. He's going to start with a whip, but we'll move to spears and swords. I'm sure they were naturally thinking that way. But God had given him, I mean, naturally, you wouldn't, there are not, you know, unless you're just absolutely a fight, you like to pick fights. Most people don't like confrontation like that, you know. And so Jesus walked by faith. He walked into situations that were and, 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 and really created situations that were contrary to what would be known as the comfort of the flesh. Because, and we know this, including the greatest faith feat that he completed, which was the cross. And it says this in, the, in, this, in these other translations. It says, Who for the joy that lay before him endured the cross with no regard for its shame, and since has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. So what do we see in this? We're talking about a disciplined race, right? So like a runner, believers are encouraged not to look back, but to fix their gaze upon Jesus because he is the trailblazing pioneer. 
That's what that word means, talking about the author. He's the trailblazing pioneer. Now, I love that word because it reminds me of a word that Paul used in Philippians about being one. He, he used the word furtherance. This has turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, which we know is somebody, including a trailblazing pioneer, somebody who cuts out ahead for others to follow. Okay, so when the Lord asks you and I to live or to walk or to do something by faith, you know, the Lord uh, had our parents uh, live at a degree and led them as best he could at a degree of faith so that we would follow if you were raised in a Christian home. So then you now have a level of faith that you're functioning in that was trailblazed before you, obviously primarily by Christ first. But then as your parents followed the Lord, if they did, then you followed them. Now your kids are following who? You. So the path should be more established. Right? Remember we learned this in the relationship series that we did. We aren't raising perfect kids. We're raising kids that are better off than we were. Right? And people say, well, we should be able to do it perfectly. When the second advent takes place... Or, I'll take it back, the rapture of the church. You know, there'll be no demonic influence or natural flesh influence in heaven. And then at the second advent, we know the enemy is going to be picked up and tossed for a thousand years. And people say, what happens after a thousand years? He's released. And people say, why? I don't know. And neither do you and anybody that says they do know is lying or pretending or guessing. Because the scripture says nothing about what happens after he's released. It doesn't even tell us why. But I don't care. Honestly, because we're already glorified. We're running the universe like Jesus runs it. You say, what do you mean running? Well, we're, we're ruling with him, but we're, run, we're able to move freely without any hindrance. See, this path of faith, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we think, oh, i got to be nice to my neighbor and do four Boy Scout good deeds for the week so I can earn my badge. No, we're not earning anything anyway. <laughs> We're living from something, but we, we need to think that way. We need to live that way because this is our opportunity to practice faith. But we got to realize we're, this is the shortest thing we're doing. So even at your worst day, you're a vapor. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. I bless you all. We're all vapors. You say, what do you mean? James said it. He had a revelation. You know, in our culture and even in the church culture, like, no, don't talk about that. Don't think about that. You know, we want to. <laughs> so funny. It's so, it's so funny because we lie to ourselves. Culture lies to us. You're never going to die. <laughs> I don't know about you, but the longer I live, the more funerals I've attended. And if you really live up there. And we, you know, we consider long. You start pushing the 90, 85, 90, 100 mark. I had an aunt that lived to be 101. Great aunt. Lived to be 101. Praise the Lord. She loved the Lord so much. And you know what she lived through? Her husband died and her son died before her. In tragedies. 
And she lived to be 101. And you say, what was the key? Every time I was around her, she just wanted to talk about the Lord. She didn't mope about who died. It bothered her. She grieved. But she lived for the Lord. Her, the Lord was everything to her. What, so what do we know about her? She, he is, Jesus is her author and her what? Finisher. Jesus is her all in all, right? Jesus is her everything. It's a good worship song. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Jesus is the trailblazing pioneer, the one who brings faith to completion. Now, I like that thought. The one who brings our faith to completion, Jesus does. And he does it a lot of ways, but that's a, that's a great... Notice that it's not us that brings it to completion. The us part is cooperation. So like even in spiritual growth, people think, well, I just got to grow. I got to... You know, I got to I got to do this. You, you are cooperating with power. You're cooperating with his power. His power, Paul said, works in us mightily. Um, because works is such an issue according to the flesh. In other words, we we think. We judge our faith level based on how much we prayed or read. Now, your faith level, can you can sense it stronger based on how much you pray or read. But your faith level, the empowerment to accomplish things, has been given to you. You're just, don't think I earned more, think I'm aware more. You see, is that necessary? It's absolutely necessary. Because when you feel down and you need to pray the prayer of faith, if you're used to going by what you feel, you're going to judge your faith level based on how you feel. How do you think Jesus felt after being beat to a snot, beat to a pulp, having, the, having his, beard, his face so marred you couldn't even recognize that he was human? They ripped chunks of his beard out. If his faith had been, if he lived his faith based on how he felt, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have done what he did, right? It wouldn't have happened. So then we go on to see this. He set an example for believers under persecution. He endured the agony and suffering of crucifixion and discounted the shamefulness of a criminal execution because he set his gaze on the joys of the resurrection and his eternal rule at God's right side. You realize this, and I realize this, that eternal rule includes us. You know, people say, well, we're going to go populate other planets, and this is my personal opinion, okay? I don't have a scripture for this. I believe we'll do a lot with the other planets after Christ's second advent. You know, you think, you think, you know, <laughs> why do you think people want to conquer and rule the world? Why do you think they have the desire to go to other planets? Why do you think they have the desire to go out there? It's eternity's built in them. Whether they submit to Christ or not. It's built in them. 
You say, what, how does that help me? Because you see people that want to make a lot of money and conquer and have you know, lands or properties or all that thing. Where does that come from? Christ. From God. It's a nature that's... I'm not saying they're all born again. They're getting their opportunity to yield those desires to the Lord. But they, every person on the planet at one point, and I'm going to say this, and you're going to love me for it, but you can go back and check it later and think it through, will have a knowing of there is a God, whether they're in a gospel crusade or not. Because the Bible says in Romans 1, and, and we see it in Romans 2, what all of creation says there's a God. And there's a right and there's a wrong. And there's an activation of right and wrong inside every person. And the people that choose to seek right and not reject light will find Christ. He'll make sure of it. He'll make sure of it. He's the author and finisher. He's already blazed the path. And we're cooperating with him in faith and and being salt and light, right? Wherever we are. Another commentary said this. Jesus' earthly life is the supreme example of and incentive for persevering faith. As a runner fixes his gaze on the goal, so we fix our eyes on Jesus. As our fixed point of reference. Jesus is our fixed point of reference. If we fix our eyes on our problems, people, circumstances, we will stumble or sink as did Peter. Who took his eyes off Jesus looking at the wind and the waves when walking on the water and he began sinking. By fixing our eyes on Jesus, we are anchored in faith and are progressively transformed into his likeness. Now, if you think I've done that and you didn't have a manifestation of what Jesus said, then you, you have a revelation that you didn't do that. Now, what people do is they come up with new doctrines based on experience instead of truth. And they think that they're justified because of the emotional impact Their focus of where they were, they think they're justified in doubting and unbelief. Actually, we're not. Actually, it's impossible to be justified by doubt and unbelief. Really, you'll uh, you'll receive grace and mercy from the throne if you repent. That's where empowerment comes. People say, well, I stood on that verse, but it didn't happen. No. Well, that's a question, but I mean, if it goes beyond that, there is that. We do endure through faith and patience, yes, and time always tries trust, right? It absolutely does, but what a lot of people do is is they try God out for a little bit in an area that he's spoken. I'm I'm not talking about a whacked-out doctrine, okay? I'm talking about something that's very clearly spelled out. They'll try it out and they'll, they'll make statements like, I tried it for a month. Or, I love, this is one of my favorites. I tried that tithing thing. Now watch. Let's back it up. 
Did they try God or did God try? I'll just put it to you like this. God is not under scrutiny. We are. Jesus gave us the perfect example of time, endurance. Right? But what we do is we... In the natural, if we get out of faith and get into natural thinking, unbelief like Peter did, we begin to allow our nature to be filled up with things that do not promote faith life. And the enemy works extra hard for those that are passionate about this. Why? Because he wants, he knows what is possible not only through Jesus at this point, but through all the others that followed Jesus and worked with him, right? And worked with him in ministry and, and did what he did and operated the way he operated. He knows that if we stand on the word and don't move, he knows what it does to his kingdom. He absolutely, that's why uh, uh, John Havener uh, came to prayer two, two Tuesdays ago. And uh, he, he shared with, with, with the group that was there on Tuesday, he said, I had three good reasons come to me why I shouldn't be at prayer this morning. You know, Peter could have given a list of three or four good reasons why he sank. And you know what Jesus would have done? He wouldn't have accepted them. I did not say he didn't still love Peter. See, this is where we get this wrong. And this is why uh, we're running a disciplined race. People don't understand discipline. They think if they're disciplined, they're hated. Well, that hurt my feelings when you paddled me, Lord. It was designed to hurt your feelings. And I'm not talking about sickness and disease. I'm not, God's not going around, you know, you know, giving people tumors on their elbows because they disobeyed him or wherever. He's not handing out cancer. He's not handing out heart disease. He's not handing out kidney failure. Come on, he's not handing out any of that stuff. That's Satan. The Lord disciplines. Would you put cancer on your kid? If you would, I want to slap you. Why would you, even if your kid is living in gross sin, why would you wish or, or, or want to put on them what they're availing themselves to? You partner with the enemy when you do that. And people say, well, no, Paul turned people over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. First of all, I'm going to make a couple of statements here, and I want you to think about it. Where did they go for the destruction of their flesh? Who was destroying their flesh? It wasn't God? And people say, well, yeah, but that's God cooperating with the No. Paul said, you want the devil? Fine. You can have him. God will do the same. That is not God in heaven going, oh, 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 release the devils. And he pushes a button, and there they all go. That's not what God's doing. Paul, in turning him over, said he didn't turn, he let him have 
what he wants. Do you know you have to let people have what they want? Do you know eternity is based on God giving people free will? And they can choose. Now, the wonderful thing is, and this is what's so great, even in the midst of all that stuff that was going on in Corinthians, in the Corinthian church at that time, they were so effective in their authority and prayer that it was seen clearly by the gentleman, and he repented and was forgiven and was brought back to restoration, which means what? The enemy's influence, whether it was in his mind, his physical being, whatever it is, in this natural life, the, the enemy's influence in his life was then cut off, which means he was restored to what? The devil not having access to his flesh anymore or his natural being. Does that make sense? So we need to be, we need to understand that. We need to be aware of that. So Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus has never failed us. He never will fail us. Discipline is designed just like a training an athlete, just like uh, 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 seeing and, and understanding weightlifting or uh, endurance running or all of these types of things. Just like understanding that, when we understand the discipline of the Lord, we understand the same. A, an, a, a, a personal trainer when it comes to athletics is not trying to injure your body so you can't perform better. Jesus is not trying to injure you. The Father's not trying to injure you so you can't perform better. There's a way to tear a muscle where it will heal and come back stronger without needing a surgery. Right? God is that way. He, we are developing. He's the author and finisher. We want miracles without tests. In the flesh, that is. The looking unto Jesus in this verse is obviously not through the natural eyes, but through the knowledge of him found in the word of God. This verse is key to victory in daily life for the Christian. Identification with Jesus Christ. It is by truly looking at the humanity of Jesus and his ability to overcome Satan that believers are empowered to overcome every sin and obstacle. Remember we talked about weights and sins. In other words, if he can do it, so can believers. I like that. In other words, if he can do it, so can believers. Why? Because he did it. So, so can you. Now, in your natural thinking and in the world's thinking, it's impossible. But with God, all things are. Now watch, I'm going to say something. Your faith has a lot more to do with just choosing than it does than you realize. I choose what you said, Lord. And people say, well, it got worse and worse. We know. But we also know that even when Jesus was dealing with Jairus' daughter, at the point where they told him, you know, he said, he told Jesus, she's about to die. Come and she'll be healed. Put your hands on her. She'll be healed. And then halfway as they're walking to the place, somebody met him and said, don't bother with Jesus anymore. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus looked at Jairus and said, what? Fear not. Now, let me ask you something. Was Jesus giving Jairus a, an opportunity to choose? Faith is a choice. He was. 
He was choosing to believe. Even though words of death had already been spoken. Right? Do do you think the people of that day knew when someone was dead? Yeah. They knew. So they didn't come to him. I mean, his whole crew, his whole team was probably like, man, we're rooting for this Jesus guy to get here. We don't want our, you know, uh, boss's daughter, we would say today, to die. And the message comes that's opposite. You say, what does this have to do with looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith? Everything. Because there are words that are being spoken to us every day that are contrary to what Jesus said about us. Not only us personally, but about our circumstances, about our family, about this, come on, about your neighbor, about the world. The world, the enemy wants to paint a picture that there's so much darkness and it's so bad that God can't possibly do what he said he was going to do and did do. That's a lie. And we can choose life over death. And you say, why? You need a substance for your faith, right? And it is Christ and his word. So the world, the enemy, and we'll put it this way, the natural world and the enemy declares Jairus' daughter is dead. Jesus declares Jairus' daughter is not going to die. She will be raised up. The deciding factor in it was what? Fear not, only, I can't just have faith. Jesus said, only, Jesus didn't look at at Jairus and say, now I'm the son of God, boy, I'm about to show you something. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't do that. People do this all the time. They read the Gospels, and they put on their religious glasses, and they go, this is what it says. Jesus is sovereign, and he did all that because he was the Son of God. Wrong. You cannot prove that biblically. You say, that's pretty strong. I know. We're in vessels of honor. (laughs) Right? You wanted meat, right? That's why you came this early, right? I mean, if you want formula, you (laughs) could... Right? People say, oh, don't do that. Why? We need to be challenged to go further. If you're in control of everything that's happening in your life, you're not walking by faith. God will lead you to do things that make no natural sense. Faith will build an ark when it has never flooded and we haven't seen that kind of rain. When you really get over into faith, you'll actually there's like a loosening effect on natural things. It has a releasing effect. The Lord will go, I want you to do this, and you'll go, okay. And then you do it, and then here come the wind and waves. Here comes the report. She's dead. Don't bother. Why? Enemy hates faith. Enemy hates it when we walk by faith and live by faith. He hates it. 
Absolutely hates it. That doesn't make any sense in the world to do that. And your family will help you doubt. They will. Mine tries. Well, now, are you sure, Sean? And I'll, you know, I'm learning to be nicer. <laughs> That's not even kinder. <laughs> and how I, I just, okay, they just don't get it. They don't understand faith. They understand, you know, they know they're going to heaven when they die. You realize that's like just the door? You just walked in? There's a whole, there's a mansion of opportunity of faith. Faith mansion is huge. And you can walk into all the rooms by faith. Faith is a choice, right? We choose They have been given the same promises of God, talking about believers, and the same Holy Spirit, both of which brought victory to Jesus in his day. People say, oh no, Jesus was the Son of God. He came in all of his glory. He was proving that he was God. That's not what he was doing. He was actually revealing to you how you could live after you believed in him. He was revealing the nature of God. Of course we know that. He's the express image. But let me ask you something. Does deity grow in wisdom? But the scripture says Jesus did. (laughs) religious, Religious thinking just... It says he grew in favor with God and man. Now that's a weird thought. Especially since he was God. He grew in favor with himself. Ooh. I'm not going to even comment on that. You just go figure it out. All right. But Jesus is not only the object of face vision. He is also the author and perfecter. The author can be translated, and we already saw this, pioneer or leader. As author, Jesus is the source and initiator of true faith. Having opened the way to God through his death on the cross. As pioneer or leader of faith, he is out front in the race. How are you going to fix your eyes on somebody who's not in front of you? See, that's, that's part of our problem in spiritual development. We're trying to drive to a destination while looking in our rear view mirror. Again, we have to go over this. How big is the rear view mirror? How big is the windshield? You shouldn't be driving like this. Looking, You can glance back to, oh yeah, don't do that. Oh, yeah, look out for that. It's trying to come up on me. But you can't do this. Oh, I hope we get there. You can't do that. Don't look. Why? Don't look back. Do practice amnesia. You said amnesia. Yeah, biblical amnesia. Have you ever seen movies or whatever? I was watching a commercial for, uh, we were watching a preview for uh, that rock movie where he becomes a tooth fairy. It's a real adult movie. I mean, it's just... But anyway, <laughs> there's, this, there's this scene in there. And he's being given all these things to be the tooth fairy. And part of it is amnesia dust. And so the guy that's showing it to him picks it up and throws it in, face, in his face. But right before he says, this is amnesia dust. And he throws it in his face. And the guy looks... And the rock looks at it and goes, what is it? And he picks it up and goes, this is amnesia dust. And he throws it at him again. And he goes, what is it? And he said, exactly. That's how it works. 
But when it comes to our past, Paul actually said there's supernatural amnesia. He said, forgetting those things which are behind. I press on. Stop waiting for all the circumstances to be perfect. Jesus never had perfect circumstances. Not here. Now he has them now. And we will too. Either at, we go there or he comes here. One or the other. But don't, guys, if we had perfect circumstances, you wouldn't need faith. Come on. We have all this armor. You're all dressed up. And people don't want to fight. They're like, look at, look at this sword and shield. And some believers, they're polished. They have no dents. They have no anything. They have the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the, the sword of the... Not this group. We know that. But the sword of the Spirit. They have the, 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 their loins good about with truth. They have the gospel of peace. And there's no marks on it at all. It's just clean. Some people think they have armor to put it in a nice case to go, see, I have armor. We're supposed to get into heaven with marks all over that armor. Here's where I beat unbelief. Here's where I beat depression. Here's, see this mark right here? The devil tried to take me out, but he couldn't do it. Because I kept my eyes focused on the author and what? Finisher of my faith. He is the perfecter of our faith. Um, that means that he brings faith to its perfect goal. As the Son of God, He has realized faith to the full from start to finish. And has fulfilled God's promises for all who believe. The word perfecter suggests that all that faith hopes for finds its consummation in Him. Thus, author and perfecter span the whole spectrum of Jesus' activities in relation to our faith. In connection with Jesus' role as leader in faith, he models for us purposeful endurance. At Gethsemane, Jesus committed himself to endure the suffering of the cross, which is what Ryan had pointed out as far as time, which included being despised and rejected by men and being what? And being stricken, being smitten, being afflicted by God as a punishment for our transgressions and iniquities. Now, we don't have to pay that. Jesus paid it. And if you look at redemption scriptures, he paid it all. All. And all in Hebrew and Greek means? Yeah. Crucifixion itself was a grim form of capital punishment. The most despicable and degrading form of death in the Roman world. Reserved for slaves and non-Roman criminals of the lowest depths. Jesus had to have unshakable faith in the character of the Father as he faced the cross. One commentator named Bruce says this of Jesus' ordeal of suffering. It was sheer faith in God, unsupported by any visible or tangible evidence that carried him through the taunting, the scourging, the crucifying, and the more bitter agony of rejection, desertion, and dereliction. In other words, what... Jesus, I love this. I love how we are in the best position with God that we can possibly be. That in Christ. Watch. 
Jesus said on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you, I've said this before, but we need to say it again. Jesus, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit said this to me. Jesus said that so that we would never have to. <laughs> ah, ah, he's the author and the. In the spirit, boy, I just, did you, it just opens up. In the spirit world, the space we have is a whole lot more than you realize. And I realize. But we're seeing more and more of it. And, and it's man, we're in it. We're in it now. We're in it now. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.